Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin, ranger in the Northwest, and in this episode, I'll be revisiting one of my favourite episodes from the archives. Back in 2018, I visited the ancient wetlands of Wickham Fen, where I encountered the Fen's wild ponies, secluded bird hides, and even managed to brush up on my photography skills. I've just arrived at the visitor centre here at Wickham Fen and I can already see that this is a great place for walkers and outdoor enthusiasts like me. There's a wide range of walks from here, from woodland walks, which are suitable for families, right up to the nine and a half kilometre Octavia Hill walk for those looking for something a little bit more serious. And walking's not the only thing on offer here. You can go cycling or you can even explore the Fens by boat, which I'm going to be doing later on. There's even a campsite for those people who really want to immerse themselves in this landscape. For now, though, we'll be starting our adventure out on the boardwalk. So I've just stepped out from the visitor centre and I'm immediately transported to a new landscape, which is totally different from the village that's nestled behind us. The first thing I would say I notice is the noise. That beautiful sort of susurration through the reeds. It's it's almost like being back by the sea, actually. You can just hear it. I mean, the landscape is is obviously very flat where we are here in, in East Anglia, but it's really beautiful. I mean, the actual sort of movement through the reeds, they're just swaying to and fro. People kind of think, oh, they're just big green things. They're not, the, the colours are amazing. To, to my left, they, they're very much a sort of, quite a, a bright sort of green with these lovely sort of feather tops on them, almost like sort of ostrich feathers sticking out the top. And then to my right, they're very much like grasses. So there's a beautiful sort of golden yellow color, like a really ripe field of wheat or barley. I almost can't believe that I'm so close to busy cities like Cambridge and Ely. The path that I'm walking on at the moment is a circular walk that goes out from the visitor center. This is a really good path for people with mobility issues or with push chairs, because it's going to be accessible all year round. Obviously we are walking in a fen and the wonderful thing about this boardwalk is you can do all this without getting your feet wet. Just come to an area of the boardwalk where there's loads of little sort of easels to either side of the path with species on them. So for people who are coming down to the fen, if you're not a complete expert botanist or an expert naturalist, you can point out and see some of the wonderful species that are here. The ones that I'm predominantly walking past at the moment are all about dragonflies. Now Wickham Fen is renowned nationally, probably internationally for its dragonfly species. It has such a wide variety and some real rarities. Emperor dragonflies, they have damselflies, the area is also really renowned, as well as its dragonflies, for its butterfly species. So it gets a wide variety of butterflies. And then on top of that, there's also the bird species, the warblers, things like that, that love feeding and living amongst these sort of reeds. Now, it's a funny thing with fens, really, is that although you know the species are there, actually seeing them isn't always that easy. And actually, it's very similar to where I work in sand dunes. Quite often, you know that these rare species are there but it's really up to you to go and actually find them. They aren't gonna come to you and put on a show, but it makes it even more special when you actually do see them because you know it's that rare glimpse of something truly spectacular.
just coming to the end of this section of the boardwalk now and I can see in the distance a sort of wooden shed-like structure which I think is the hide where I'm going to meet Isabel Sedgwick who's the visitor services manager here at the Fens. Hi Isabel. Hello. Hi I'm Kate. Hi Kate. You alright? It's a nice, nice hide. I mean, you're hidden, that's the point of a hide. So in theory, the wildlife doesn't know you're there. Um, but also for us, it kind of gives us that little framed window. And the old traditional type of hide had all the shutters that were shut. So that when you went in, you know, you would open your shutter and just reveal that long, thin slither of landscape, which for a fen landscape works really well, that long horizontal. It's a nice sort of enclosed area as well, isn't it? So you've got this sort of open water and then obviously the willows and the reeds around. And then are these, those bird feeders, in fact, just over there in the bird feeder looks like a, a woodpecker, great spotted, a great woodpecker. spotted woodpecker. Yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of finches there, I think, as well. Goldfinches. Oh. There's only a couple of places where we have bird feeders. It's in front of this hide and outside the visitor centre. Otherwise, the rest of the fen is kept as natural as possible. But obviously, having a few feeders here brings in some birds. So just, yeah, as a, as a starter hide, it's great. And then you might sit in the hide here and you might look across the water. And yes, there are things like moorhens and coots, which you see quite often. But also, this is a great spot to sit to keep an eye out for kingfishers. Fingers crossed. Um, but they are really shy birds. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really lovely when people come back and say, oh, we saw, we saw a kingfisher. Think, yes, fantastic. After those fantastic descriptions of the hides, I'd really like to see another one. So can you show me another? Yeah, let's go for a walk. Just stepped off the boardwalk now onto a sort of grassy path, which is obviously not decked out anymore and it's just surrounded by reeds. So what's this about? So this is part of our summer trail. It's a grass path with fenland vegetation that grows up alongside it. So you can get that amazing enclosed feeling. This walk is, is actually really different from the other walks I've done on these podcasts. This one is obviously flat because it's fenland, but it, it's got quite a, um, an enclosed feeling to it. There's very high reeds on either side of me as, as we walk down here. It's a lovely sort of area to walk down because it feels very private. I can imagine that even on busy days as you're walking down here in this little sort of reed tunnel that you really feel like you've got it to yourself. And also because maybe you are feeling that little bit more enclosed, I think you really tune into the sounds around you. The wildlife here, I imagine, is probably a little bit more tricky to see because you are surrounded by the reeds but it means that you use your ears more you really listen out to all the rustles in the in the reeds the tweets of the birds and also you're focused on the on the path in front of you it's a really interesting and different experience walking through here what makes Wiccan so special is that contrast almost between the large and the small. So it's the open landscape, the massive skies and the sunsets to die for, combined with those tiny, tiny details. Oh, the uh, horses over there in the distance too, quite sort of, oh, they're lovely, like sort of pale golden coloured. Yeah, that's a couple of our conics and they're, they're wonderful. Again, it's a sense of the wild. They're just out there. 
We've come to, uh, well, what looks like a shed on stilts, actually, but I'm guessing this is one of the tower hides. This is, this is imaginatively called the new tower hide, just because we couldn't think of another name for it. <laughs> looks like we've got it all to ourselves oh, yeah. today. Let's get one of these over here. There we go. Ooh. go back thousands of years and this would have just been Fenland as far as the eye can see. So this Wiccan Fen really is a gem, isn't it? A, a sort of remnant that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. It just provides that window onto that lost landscape. And it does take a sort of feat of imagination to sort of think about actually everything you can see being read and water and the fens I think were described as it's neither water nor land it's both together. It's such a shame isn't it that areas like that have been lost but I suppose in a sort of growing population that we have and the growing society you know agriculture has taken over and has changed but it's so wonderful that at least this little last fragment is here for us all to enjoy for the future and uh, great that the National Trust is still here looking after it. So where should we go next? What I would do is cross the bridge at the front of the visitor centre, head onto the other side of the fen, so you're on Adventurous Fen, the drain part, and Westmere Hyde is a really good point to go and see across that water. Adventurous, that sounds like me. Right, let's go. You should be on the balls of your feet. You know, look the part as well. Looks like it looks good. <laughs> Now, while I do love walking, sometimes there's nothing quite like a leisurely bike ride through the countryside, particularly in an area like this where it's nice and flat. So I've rented a bike from the visitor centre and I'm gonna put this multi-use trail to the test. Right, here we go. Lock my bike up now to the sign and just walking along the adventurer's fen trail here with the uh, a nice little open waterway to my right and then some woodlands and some reeds over to my left. So as opposed to the sort of gravel track that I was cycling on before, this is more of a sort of grassy path, a little bit uneven. So not ideal for cycling, but perfect for walking. So hopefully as we carry along here, we'll be able to go to Westmere, which Isabel recommended to us before and see what we can see over on the mere. Just going to turn left now off the adventurer's fen trail and head down to the Westmere Hyde. Now from where I'm walking just off the path it really is hidden so I think it might be a bit of a case of uh, rooting it out. Let's just get this gate open and uh, hopefully it'll all become apparent. Wow this uh, hide really is well hidden, can't see it yet. Just walked about, I don't know, 200, 300 metres along a very wiggly, windy path, quite enclosed on either side with reeds and bindweed and various other very luscious vegetation growing up. And just at the very last minute, I've turned the corner, I can just see the hide ahead of me. So I'm going to go have a look and see what I can see. 
into the hide now but it's not vacant there's a guy here with a very big camera hi i'm kate hi kate i'm richard nickel hi good richard to meet nickel. you it's an amazing vista actually from this hide and so different from the one we were at first thing this morning it's much more open here so there's a much bigger expanse of water and there's a little sort of gravelly area right at the edge of the reeds where the birds have all congregated you can see a couple of mallards there having a scrap I'd love to be able to take a picture of it. So have you got any tips for me, Richard, on how I can capture this scene? They're reasonably far away, the birds there, so if you want to get a close-up, you're going to need to have a lens that's a bit longer than normal. It doesn't really matter whether it's on your phone, you know, point and shoot, or whether it's top-of-the-range DSLR. The great thing about digital photography is it doesn't cost you anything. If you can take as many pictures as you like, you can throw them all away. It doesn't matter. It is a very impressive camera, so can you show me what it does? Let's have a look. Fantastic! And that was my visit back in 2018. It's been three years since Richard inspired my journey with photography. So with the summer avian migration in full flow, I thought it a timely moment to check in on Richard and his photogenic feathered friends. Hi Richard, how are you? Hi Kate, good to hear you again. So last time we spoke, you've been spending quite a few hours most days out there in the hide, but with the lockdowns and events of the last 16 months, are you still managing to get out there every day? I try and get out there several times a week, sort of immersing myself in nature. So it's just you and whatever is around. It's just very relaxing. Yeah, for me, I'd say just being out in nature is almost as important as getting the perfect photo. But which would you say is most important for you? The photos are almost a bonus. And I guess for someone who's so in tune with nature and the seasons, with Wick and Fen being closed over the numerous lockdowns, you must have had a real sense of FOMO. It was very frustrating, especially if the weather was good like it was last spring. You've got all the changes happening the migrants coming in from Africa, building nests, feeding their young. All the things that happen in spring, definitely a loss. So during lockdown, without what seems like a really special place for you, how did you pass the time? I've got this sort of, I guess, a stream of consciousness, thinking about what would make an interesting shot. There's a photograph I've always wanted to get, which I have yet to date really got, which is a picture of a food pass between a male and a female marsh harrier. So a marsh harrier is a fairly large bird of prey. They're mostly brown. The male has quite a lot of grey on its wings. The females, they've got a sort of white cap on their head. Up until fairly recently, they were actually scarcer than golden eagles. There was more golden eagles in the UK than there were marsh harriers. So when I heard that Wiccan Fen was going to be open for the first time again, sort of going through my head, well, what might be there uh, that's interesting to photograph? There'd been some marsh harrier nests quite close to the boardwalk. I'd had a call from 
the rangers there saying, could I come and try and photograph the adults? The boardwalk at this point was still closed to the public. So I've got to go over this obstacle course to get there, climbing over and crawling under. Then had to take out the things they had used to block the entrance to the hide. When I got into the hide, I started setting up my equipment. Put my camera onto the tripod, make sure it's the right height, make sure I've got the right exposure. And then it's really just a case of sitting and waiting. Sometimes for hours and hours and hours on end. There was days I was there and there was nothing really happening. When I'm watching out for the hen harriers coming back with food, a lot of the time you'll actually hear the youngsters calling. And that's when you can be alerted to the fact that they're bringing some prey back. So I'd been there quite a few days and I did hear the male bird coming back. So that was the opportunity which I took. When you're trying to take shots, normally you will find the subject in the viewfinder and then track it, turning and elevating the lens. They will glide about with a shallow V-shaped wings. Especially when there's thermals going on, you can see them spiraling up into the sky can be quite intense, especially when you've got three things you're trying to photograph at the same time. The frenzy of activity, moving, swinging the camera around, the mirror within the camera slapping up and down, the whole load of noise. It's difficult in a fraction of a second to decide where am I going to focus the shots and squeezing the trigger just when you think the right moment is. There's always a moment of anticipation when you think, you know, you might have got a really good shot. But it's often not until you're back at base and can see them on the computer screen that you really know whether they're any good. So I got home and looked at the food pass shots that I got. I got the shot of the male bird carrying a leveret, which is a young hare, in its talons, back to where the youngsters were. The birds were in focus, the prey item was halfway between them. The top bird had its head turned towards me. But the juvenile bird had its back turned to me. I know that feeling well when you just don't quite get the shot that you think you've nailed. Do you ever think you'll get that shot? I'm not sure I will ever get it, but that, that's part of the fun of photographing nature. You're always discovering new things that are new to you, new behaviour you've never seen before, and striving to capture the behaviours you have seen as well as you absolutely possibly can. Well, Richard, it's been great catching up with you. I wish you luck, and I hope that one day you manage to get that elusive shot. All the best, Richard. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, remember as well as this podcast, the National Trust has a huge resource of audio programmes, which you can find at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode, but for now, from me, Kate Martin, goodbye. <laughs>